Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. Looks a little chilly there in Ohio. It is very cold. I was joking before we started. I'm like wrapped up in a blanket in my office (laughs) to be able to do this, but... Uh, I'll take it over mud, honestly. It's always a bit of a balance in Ohio in the winter. You're either not that cold, but super muddy, or you're really cold, but at least the horses are clean. <laughs> true, true. And, and I was, it, it, it's pertinent because during the winter, you know, uh, our bodies do get stressed and pushed a little bit. And so today talking about vitamins and the importance of vitamins to horses and horses' health. So I guess just to kick this one off, you know, from your viewpoint, why are vitamins important to our horses? Vitamins do all the things. I say that a little bit jokingly. It's almost harder to list what they don't do. So they're involved in normal metabolism, growth, gestation, you know, maximizing exercise and exercise recovery, certainly very important in supporting the immune system because there's a lot of different vitamins and they work in concert with other nutrients to help support all of these basic functions. You really can't find a function that some vitamin isn't a part of the pathway, the reaction, the metabolic cascade in some capacity, which makes them super important to make sure when you think about it on a real high level is just supporting the health wellness of our horse. And then of course, if they're doing some sort of job, making sure we're giving them all the nutrition they need to do the best at their job and recover from it really well. They, they, they really are. I mean, they really are. And whenever you take a nutrition class and you, you hear vitamins, you're like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. T- take vitamins, take a daily vitamin. You've known that since we were very little growing up. But when you really get into the science behind it and what each individual vitamin does, your mind gets blown. You're like, wow, okay, they they are very critical. They are very critical to overall health. So one of the things, I guess, to start this off with is people may hear fat-soluble and water-soluble vitamins. What's really the difference between the two? That is the classic way that we categorize vitamins, and it's really based on how they're metabolized. So your fat-soluble vitamins are absorbed along with fat, and that's just the natural fat in the diet. So it's not like we have to add a lot of fat for them to be absorbed. Just that little bit amount of fat and forage is what helps carry it into the horse's body. And then they're also stored in body fat. So those are going to be vitamins A, D, E, and K. Our water-soluble vitamins, on the other hand, in the body, they dissolve in water, and then they're also easily excreted. So thinking about the two categories, there's a lot more concern generally with toxicity of some of our fat-soluble vitamins because they're absorbed, and then they have this storage mechanism. Where your water-soluble vitamins, not that you can't create a toxicity with some of them if you somehow, you know, give massive, massive, massive amounts, right, (laughs) but just general overfeeding of them doesn't create a toxicity because they come in, they dissolve in the water, and then they're excreted in the urine. They move through the body really quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think breaking that down, so the fat-soluble vitamins, so you said vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin K. 
if we can just break break them down to the listeners, just summarize each one, you know, where does the horse get them in the diet and, and why are they important? So to start off with the fat solubles, like I said, uh, vitamin A. And and what's this beta carotene too? Because that's always linked <laughs> with vitamin A, right? Like, yeah. what is that? what's the deal with that? Yeah, good question. So vitamin A broadly, it is super important for reproduction, gestation, bone and soft tissue. So this is one where if you have issues with it, like you're much more likely to see developmental orthopedic disorders if you have vitamin A issues, things like that also important for the immune system. So in the natural horse's diet, they are getting a precursor to vitamin A in nice, fresh grass. So that's what beta carotene is. So beta carotene, uh, there have actually been a lot of studies that have looked at like the different amounts of beta carotene in different forages. And beta carotene is in the small intestine turned into vitamin A by the body and then the horse uses it from there. The challenge is that as soon as you cut grass into hay, it breaks down really quickly. So this is when we talk about even great quality hay doesn't provide all of your nutrients. Vitamin A is a perfect example of that. And even poor quality pasture, even though there'll be some vitamin A, it may not be enough vitamin A or beta carotene actually in your pasture to meet the horse's needs. So that's kind of where that whole concept comes from that some of these, the horse doesn't actually eat the vitamin. It eats a precursor of it and then turns it into the vitamin in the body. And this is why, again, you know, why we, we add concentrate to the diet, right? Because what you're saying is an all forage diet, unless it's really nice, fresh pasture, if we're just feeding them just, Hey, they're not getting enough vitamin A in the diet. Right. So they need a supplement somewhere, need it supplemented somewhere. Absolutely. So if they're on a hay-only diet, they definitely won't get enough. Let's say you live at that magical latitude and longitude where you have pasture all year round and it's fresh, pretty green grass. Doesn't really happen. Almost all of us feed hay some portion of the year. Even if you're on great quality grass all of the time, you still may not be able to meet the vitamin A needs of a horse and heavy work. So there are situations where we don't necessarily ignore the horse's other needs just because they're on good quality grass. A lot of times it's because that's just a short snippet of the year or maybe only a couple hours a day. But even so, the way we've bred these horses to be so athletic and do such you know, hard jobs, even perfect, amazing quality grass may not meet the vitamin A need of every horse. That's a good point. That's a good point. All right. So then let's move on to vitamin D. You know, that's the one, you, you know, they always say, get out in the sun, get plenty of vitamin D. So how are our horses getting that? Ah, the exact same way. <laughs> so um, vitamin D is not really found in forage in any great quantity. Uh, you can actually find some in sun-cured hay. So like the mm-hmm. process of mm-hmm. turning precursors into vitamin D happens a little bit in hay. Not something you'd really rely on in any quantity. But what they do is they take precursors of vitamin D that they have in their body And with exposure to sunlight, they create vitamin D. Vitamin D, one of its main jobs is calcium homeostasis. Super important for growth and development. Also important for the adult horse. You think about bone is constantly remodeling all of the time in a a small amount. So we want to make sure all of that um, is handled correctly. So yeah, vitamin D isn't really found in forage in any quantity, 
a lot of our horses aren't readily exposed to sunlight all the time though, mm-hmm. either because of the area they live. I can't even tell you the last time I saw sunlight here in Ohio. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, or a lot of times because of the way that we manage them, mm-hmm. either because of stalling or we don't want to turn them out in the sunlight and burn their coats, things like that. Or we do turn them out, but we put on a fly sheet that has ultraviolet protection. Well, for that reason, we are supplementing vitamin D uh, because we know that not all horses are going to have enough access to sunlight in order to meet their needs themselves. That's a good point. And then I I was just thinking of when I lived in the Pacific Northwest and I didn't see the sun for months. <laughs> so I feel for you there. Not a problem down in Florida. Plenty of sun down <laughs> no. there. But yeah, <laughs> definitely in the northern latitudes. Uh, it does disappear. All right. And then just the, the last two, the, the fat solubles, you touched upon vitamin E and vitamin K. Vitamin E. I think this is probably the one that our listeners have have the most exposure to discussion about. Um, vitamin E, it's, it's main job. It's an antioxidant, but it supports neuromuscular health. And this is one of our few nutrients that we can actually measure in the blood in a pretty precise way and get a good idea of the horse's vitamin E status. For a lot of these, just a simple blood test doesn't actually tell us the animal status. So, you know, there is some evidence to suggest that the NRC vitamin E requirements may be on the low side for a lot of horses. Um, Certainly harder working horses, those on higher fat diets. So one of vitamin E's roles is it prevents lipid peroxidation lipids are fats. If you feed them more fat, you have more of that that goes on in the diet. And there are lots of good things about fat, but it's one of the things you have to offset. So I've been formulating with higher levels of vitamin E for quite a while, especially in my higher fat diets. Uh, And then, you know, horses with different issues can definitely require more vitamin E. So this is one of the few nutrients that we may supplement separately on top of a fortified product if we know the horse has a problem. So the good news is there's a much wider toxicity range with vitamin E than a lot of the other vitamins we talk about. But on the same token, you know, to just supplement it because horses need vitamin E, a lot of times isn't necessary. So, you know, unless the horse has an issue, like EPM, for example, where they have neuromuscular issues, a lot of times, you know, you might test your horse, see what its vitamin E levels are, and then Think about supplementation if needed, Um, but we're certainly fortifying at a level that should meet or exceed most horses' needs. And this is the same as vitamin A. It is in fresh pasture. As soon as we cut it to hay, it breaks down. And same concept, even though the vitamin E in nice pasture may meet many horses' needs, it doesn't necessarily meet all of them. So even on pasture, we like that additional level of fortification in our commercial product. And then vitamin K was the other one. The last of the fat-soluble vitamins. Yes. Okay. So vitamin K, uh, important for blood clotting, bone metabolism, vascular health. It is found in forages. Deficiency is incredibly rare. Uh, So this is one of those that we really don't worry about deficiency very much. There are some drugs and toxins that can impair vitamin K metabolism, so you can create a deficiency, but that's outside the realm of, you know, what's fairly normal. What you do see in commercial feeds is oftentimes they are fortified with a small amount of a a synthetic vitamin K. 
you know, this is, this is absorbed and used by the horse. But the reason for that is because in most situations, they definitely should get plenty from their forage. But we do have those rare horses who, for some reason, don't eat enough forage, uh, whether that's intentional or unintentional. Uh, so this is just a way we can kind of have a little bit of extra risk management to cover our bases on that, providing a small amount for those horses that may need that, although most should not. All right. So those are the, the, the important fat soluble vitamins. And then the water soluble, I think we were just going to highlight a couple, uh, you know, and, and the B vitamins, these are the ones, you know, that I know in human nutrition, you know, take your B vitamins. It gives you a lot of energy, health, a lot of health benefits. So how do they benefit the horse? So B vitamins in the horse are interesting. Uh, it's There are nine different B vitamins. We have established requirements for two of them. Those would be thiamine and riboflavin. You've probably heard of a lot of the other ones, uh, biotin, folic acid, niacin. Those are all examples of B vitamins. The reason that we don't have established requirements for the other ones is it's really, really hard to create a deficiency. So if you functionally can't create a deficiency, it's very hard to determine a requirement because that's what we do in a research setting. We feed gradiated levels of these nutrients to figure out what is the level where performance is impaired? What is the level where we see symptoms of deficiency? So with those other B vitamins, you can't really create them because the horse actually is able to synthesize those B vitamins. Uh, it's the microbes that live in their digestive tract more specifically, synthesize those B vitamins. So in large part, additional B vitamin supplementation isn't especially needed because a healthy digestive tract would do that itself. If you look at a feed tag, you will see folic acid, niacin down the line. Again, same concept as that vitamin K. Really, nutritionally, you're hedging your bet that there are some horses that either, again, get really poor quality forage, not enough forage. They have some sort of underlying condition that makes it difficult for them to digest forage properly. If those things happen, you would have suboptimal levels of those B vitamins. So you're covering your bases with supplementation that way. But again, most horses shouldn't need additional B vitamins because we're going to do all the things to have a healthy digestive tract and feed enough hay, which lets the microbes produce them for them. Okay. Okay. And then vitamin C, you know, that's one that, you know, we, again, human health, it, when you're not feeling well, take, you know, large doses of vitamin C. So is it, how does vitamin C help our horses? So this is one that is a little bit interesting in that vitamin C is synthesized in the liver of the horse. So largely, we probably don't need to add extra vitamin C to many horses' diets because they're able to synthesize enough to meet their needs. Vitamin C does act as an antioxidant, however, and we do know that oxidative stress is certainly something that horses battle to varying degrees. So in terms of optimizing especially performance for the hardworking horse, there may be value in adding vitamin C to those horses' diets. So you will often but not always see vitamin C added to your commercial feed. Again, hedging your bets and recognizing that although we don't have a defined minimum requirement because of its role as an antioxidant, feeding higher than what it would prevent deficiency may be beneficial to horse health. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, that's a good overview of some of the, the more important vitamins. One of the things I want to touch on before we, we sign off is 
people having concerns versus synthetic versus natural vitamins. So I was wondering if you could just touch upon that really quick and, you know, why do we feed or create synthetic vitamins and what's, I guess, what's the difference between the two and then why we use the different ones? That is a really good question. I think as a society as a whole, we've definitely had more of a focus on natural and natural being better. It's one of those things that's tough because sometimes natural is better. Sometimes it's not thinking about the application. And so we're always looking at this balance of stability and absorption. So some of the uh, vitamins that we would use or vitamin precursors are synthetic. The advantage that most synthetic compounds have is that they're more stable. And so that's really beneficial when you're looking at something that has to go through a heat process, which is what happens during the pelleting process, that's exposed to things that would break them down. So we think about uh, vitamin A and E. We know they break down in hay. The things that have them break down are exposure to light, heat, oxygen in general, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, you have the same issue if you try to put the natural compound into a product that you then need to store on a shelf for several months. So all of the vitamins that we use are researched to make sure that they are bioavailable to the horse. So a, a great example of this was when they were learning about vitamin A needs in horses. So horses get vitamin A in the wild from beta carotene in the forage. And then that's synthesized into vitamin A in the small intestine of the horse. Well, why don't we put synthetic beta carotene in feed and let the horse synthesize vitamin A in its small intestine? Because we know regular beta carotene is not very stable. That's not Mm going to work. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately, what you found is that synthetic conversion to vitamin A is really poor. So they keep researching and then they learn that we can actually just go straight to vitamin A and skip that conversion step, and we're able to meet the horse's needs. The discussion between synthetic and natural most commonly comes up when we're talking about vitamin E. I think this is one that a lot of people have exposure to. And in fact, we did a whole podcast on vitamin E last July. So if you want to listen to this in more depth. But the synthetic oftentimes gets a bad rap because natural is more bioavailable to the horse. If we have a horse with a vitamin E deficiency, it's going to more quickly raise blood vitamin E levels. However, synthetic vitamin E is still absorbed by the horse. It's still utilized by the horse. It's more stable in the feed. So, you know, ultimately as a nutritionist, I'm kind of looking at the bigger picture. In the case of vitamin E, I use both because that kind of covers both of my basis. But any type of vitamin that we use, regardless of if it's synthetic, natural, etc., we always make sure they're ones supported by science that says this is bioavailable to the horse. It supports their requirements. A lot of them, if you get more science and you actually look at different sources, they're assigned different conversion factors, essentially. So if your tag says there are... 750 IUs of vitamin D. If we look at different sources, not every source has, you know, the same conversion factor where this is totally made up, but one gram equals one IU. So one that might be a little less bioavailable, but super stable might be 0.75 IUs per gram. So you would still be achieving that same IU, but you would adjust the rate you feed it 
based on those bioavailability factors. So just kind of some of that background there in terms of how we decide the specific ingredient use. It's a lot more complicated than, hey, natural is always better because sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. That's a very good explanation, Nicole. And, you know, it's it's just vitamins are so important. And again, like you said, you know, our our hay only diets, they're going to be some vitamin deficiencies in there. So that's why we throw in a a ration balancer or feed or other concentrates that that are available on the market. But thank you for explaining that today. Uh, You know, thank you for listening. Again, if you have any questions or topics, please follow us on Facebook, social media, or reach out on the link below on the show notes, you know, give us suggestions. We, 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 we now have a list of running suggestions of topics that listeners have given us, and we're just going to cross them off as, as we go. So thank you for listening. And, and thank you, Nicole. Yeah. Thank you, Chris.